Welcome to the Realm of Endless Stories, a weekly podcast covering books, fanfic, comics, TV, and films. If we love it, we read it, watch it, and talk about it. I'm Sarah. I'm Mira. I'm Sole. And guess who's back? Back again. Hey, listeners. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Reminder that this is not a spoiler-free podcast, and we are marked explicit for occasional cursing and discussion topics. All views and opinions expressed in episode discussions are our own. Trigger warning for talks of mental illness, suicidal ideation, and related issues. We will mention trigger warning right before it happens, and it will also be signaled by a bell. The bell will sound again when we are done discussing these topics. Please take care of yourself first. Today's topic is our favorite feline. I'm sorry to my own cat who's sitting in the room. Our favorite Shira feline, Catra. And just a quick note, our final episode of our Shira character study series, which goes through, if I've calculated it correctly, mid-September, wow. will be about the two-part finale episode and everything under the sun Catradora. So don't worry when we don't dive too deeply into that today. It will get covered. We've got a whole episode for that. So I can't wait. Don't worry about it. Yes. Um, okay, so we're going to start with Catra's appearance. Like We've been doing a little comparison between the 80s and today. But when we talk about the 80s, I'm also going to give you her story, like her background story. Where is she from and, and everything else? Because I think that was describing the 80s and was not included in the modern one. I don't know why. Correct. We got no backstory on where Catra came from. Yes. Yep. Or what species she is other than mm -hmm. cat related. Yes. So in the 80s, she is the typical Barbie type doll with long black hair. Sometimes it's blue for some reason. I like blue more than black. And she has like a high ponytail. She wears a, a mask, like a cat mask that it has powers. Um, she has high cheekbones. What kind of powers does the mask ah, have? You're going to know soon. Oh, I didn't know. But also you neglected to mention that between her eyes and her chin is the most annoying voice I've ever heard come out of an 80s cartoon character. <laughs> and I have watched a lot of 80s cartoons. It is truly yeah. horrible. Like you yeah. take Eartha Kitt and Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman from the Batman series and make it 8 million times worse. Mm -hmm. And you have some approximation of the voice of 80s Catra. It is true. unbearable to me. If you've heard the modern Catra, AJ Michalka has this kind of purr to her voice, which is actually really nice. Mm -hmm. um, but the 80s Catra is like nails on a chalkboard in comparison. I would like to erase her. It's exaggerated to the point that it becomes really annoying. And it's not like she does it casually. Modern Catra, you sometimes hear her purr but is in a specific situations that accentuates what she's feeling. In 80s Catra, she does it all the time at the end of each sentence. And there's always some cat-related pun to whatever she's saying or whenever somebody's talking to her. I need this done right meow. Yes, something like that, but and all the time. You laugh, but this was something I heard her say. I wasn't just making this up. Like, it was that bad. Enroll with it. The way that Bo talks to Catra is what Catra used to talk 
all the time in the 80s. Yes. So she was really annoying. She had the skimpiest strapless red mini dress, high heel boots, because, you know, you use that when you're fighting, and capes, even though no capes. She had a cape. Well, the high heeled boots keep you grounded and the capes keep you from flying away. And if you do, you look cool while you're doing it. Yes. Also aerodynamics, I guess. <laughs> and I wanted to give you a little background. 80s Katra was actually part of the Master of the Universe toy line. So she was thought first as a toy, not as a character. It was before the series was developed. How rude. She was thought to be Shira's nemesis. She was going to be like the bad guy to Shira. Now, when they developed the TV series, they saw that Horduck and the Horda worked better as an enemy for Shira. So she actually became one of the Horda minions. I mean, she's just there. From nemesis, she went down to minion. Well, with a voice like that, who would follow that person as a leader? Just saying, like, I really want to watch 80 Shira, but that first episode you had us watch, I felt physical pain. Like, yes, she... and not just because He Man threw she, uh, Scorpia into a cart full of melons, which was really <laughs> rude. I want to watch it just to make fun of it. <laughs> I think that's what we're doing. A little bit of background of Catra in the eighties. She was, um, she was an, an orphan, and she was born in the island of Persia with two R's, and she lived on the streets and was harassed by all the residents. Are all the residents of Persia cats, or are yes. there multiple types of? No, they're all they're all they all look feline in a way. So she was a tiny orphaned girl kitten being bullied by angry boy kittens Mm -hmm. living on the streets. That's so sad. So does this also make her a perfect person? Yes, she's the perfect person. I can't roll my R's. Yeah, that's where she was born. So when the horde invited, invaded, not invited, invaded the <laughs> island, they invited. What is their party? Come party! Turn left at Persia. And like, it's like RSVP to your death. RSVP. <laughs> RSVP to your unaliving. Yes. Thank so- you for flying Church of England, cake or death. <laughs> We're all out of cake. <laughs> so when the horde invited invited again oh my god invaded the island she turned actually actually turned against her own people and and fought with the horde against her own people hordak saw this and she, that she was youth, useful so she he took her under his wing and that's how she was raised in the horde so like every cartoon supervillain Hordak, the evil overlord, adopted a pet cat that he could pet on his throne as Mm -hmm. he had evil plans. Yeah, I see him a lot like... um, Thanos? Yes, when he adopted... Well, he he didn't adopt it. He took Gamora. Gamora? Yeah, so Hordak is kind of that. So he just took her. Then they went in one of their battles to keep, you know, invading... I had to think about it. I was going to say invited. When they went to invade other other places, one of the towns that they took over was in Bright Moon. It was one of the underground towns of a race of beings called the Magic Cats. So there were cats with magical powers. I want to be a magic cat. When they invaded this, Hordak took uh, captured the queen 
and took the headpiece from the queen, and that's what he gave to Catra. The headpiece is that, that contains all her powers, all these queen magic cat powers, and that's why now Catra, when she uses it, she can shapeshift and become a panther. She has Ooh. increased strength and keeps, you know, but keeps the ability to talk. So this is kind of like the background story of Catra in the 80s. So the magic cats weren't magic, they had magical clothing and accessories. I think it's kind of like in the Wizarding World that you have a wand that kind of uh, owns your magic. Your magic. Okay. I was ready to be really disappointed. Yeah, no, but they, uh, so that's how she got the headpiece and Aedy Scatra could actually transform into a panther and she had increased abilities, if you say it away. Um, and now we move to modern Catra. She has feline features like ears and small fangs and a tail. Um, she has clawed <laughs> feet and sharp nails. What? You said she had feline features like ears, and I thought most animals have ears. Just <laughs> ears. I know. I little cute ears. Okay, so she has clawed feet and sharp nails, almond-shaped eyes, and one each eye is a different color. One's yellow, the other one's turquoise. She also has light brown horizontal marks in her arm and on her back that resembles like the stripes on a cat, tabby cat, which I thought was really cute. As a kid, she kind of ha looks kind of the same, just, you know, untamed hair, Lion King type hair with um, the Horda uniform. When we first see her, it's like the same, but bigger. And she always has her feet and her hands free so she can use the cloth. Can, can I say it now? Yes. Ma! <laughs> no, while you were talking about her fluffy Lion King hair, I made a gesture of holding up tiny cats. Yeah, I saw it. The words Simba, but I still made them laugh. <laughs> so when we first see her, she is kind of the older version of when she's little, you know, big hair, skin tight clothes that I think are very functional to her. And... The second time we see her when uh, I think it's after season three that she changes her look or season four. I think it's four. She has very short hair, which I love it. I love it so much. While I too love the short haired look on Katra, the thing that bothered me about this is that when she cuts her hair, she is chipped, which means she did it under the influence of Horde Prime and would not have done it otherwise. And that's always bothered me. Consent, people. <laughs> I thought she, when she was chipped, she kind of had like style. Yes. It was it was short, but it was more styled, like slicked mm -hmm. back styled. But yeah. the cut was not really her choice. I just liked that original Catra had the typical teenager pants with the slits near the knee. Like you saw every popular girl or goth kid in high school or Kyle wearing. <laughs> uh, not me, because I wasn't allowed to leave the house if my jeans had holes in them. Same, uh, same. But... That's one of the first things I notice about her outfit, the way she has her belt and then her Horda Force Captain belt crisscrossed over, slung over the top of the jeans, which leads down to the artistic rips on I on top and bottom of her knees. And I just thought that looked so cool. Yeah, I had pants like that. My mom threw them out when I came here. She's like, finally, you're out of the house, so I can throw them out. And then we see a glimpse of her... In the future, um, she has longer hair in a ponytail. She's she's wearing a blouse and pants, which is so not like her, unless we, we've seen. And also, um, maybe that goes with 
the growth that she'd experienced throughout her life. Um, she also wears a white cape with kind of like gold accent on one of her shoulders. I'm guessing to, to match Adora. To match Adora. And the only other outfit that she wears is when she's chipped, that she has like the very style hair and wear all white clothes and her eyes glow green. I love future Catra's hair. With the yes. ponytail, it looks so good on her. Yes. Yes. It's like when she was a kid, but more styled. And it, lo- mm. and it suits her so well. Even though I love the short hair. I always loved short hair. But um, but hair, hair, it's amazing. Say In a lot of different media, hair is shown as a symbol of character progression. Like in Frozen and Frozen 2, the, the looser Elsa's hair is, the more free she is. I think maybe the fact that her hair is more kind of what it was like when she was a kid, just slightly more styled, means she's getting back to her original self in her future with Adora. Hmm. That's good because it's going from chipped cut hair to a future where she's decided to grow it out again she's Mm -hmm. reclaiming part of what she likes to look like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the only other thing i want to talk about is um the abilities she has because of her physical characteristics um she has many cat-like traits like enhanced strength this is always compared to the average ethereum it's not like you know, compared to super to the super ones. She has enhanced agility, you know, like cats. She can jump, run, climb much better than any other character. She also has more speed than any any other character, and her senses are in- intensified. She's also scared of mice. Yes. Her claws are retractable like cats and sharp enough to cut through metal, not like cats. She has a great sense of balance, and she her greatest fear is water. So she is a true feline in nature. Scorpia's like, isn't this great? We're on a boat surrounded by nothing but water in every direction. And Catra just looks like she wants to curl up into a ball and die. Pretty much. Okay. So now that we have described our badass cat cat in physical appearance, we can talk about her presence. I guess I was trying to go with personality. There you go. There you go. Trigger warning for talks of mental illness, suicidal ideation, and related issues. Please proceed at your own discretion. Okay. So we're going to be talking about um, Catra's personality. And I felt it important because this show has been great for obviously the, the representation for queer people there's the representation for atypical neurologies with the people who aren't neurotypical in entrapta but it also shows representation of someone who has lived through something that has triggered a mental illness and um i relate to ketra a lot and i feel that you know because we share this that you know i have representation in tv and as a person with a mental illness it's it's very hard to come by to find it in a very accurate sense where it's not stereotypical or extremely destructive so i just wanted to give a little bit of background on borderline personality disorder because that's what you believe uh catra has i believe it doctors on the internet believe it fans believe it and she does hit a lot of the markers. Okay. So um, tell us, what is borderline personality disorder? So borderline personality disorder is a not <laughs> a personality disorder. It was 
named as a personality disorder back in the era of Freud, when people didn't know anything about the brain and was like, oh, well, they're on the borderline of schizophrenia. So we're just going to call it borderline personality. Today, psychiatrists are trying to redo the vernacular. So they want to change it to emotional regulation disorder or affect disorder, because if you say personality disorder, people usually think of everything negative that you can think of. Uh, You have narcissistic personality disorder, and then you have the one where all the serial killers come from, which is antisocial personality disorder. And there's a ton of other personality disorders that are true personality disorders. It's just this one just happens to not be one. So that's that's why they're trying to change it to give it more something more positive that the patient can grab onto and say, okay, I can, this is treatable. I can beat this. This is not something scary. So I assume that like all disorders or mental illnesses, there are certain signs or behaviors that these people exhibit. Could you tell us a little bit about those? There's different ways to diagnose mental illness. And most of them, because it is not an exact science, most of them are check off these things on a scale of one to 10. How much do you do this? And borderline is is not very different. There are nine symptoms or behaviors that we exhibit. And out of the nine, if you exhibit at least five, then it is likely that you will get a diagnosis of borderline. The other way to diagnose is to go through with a specialist. And it's the acronym. It's really weird. Uh, PSEA. So it's quasi-psychotic episodes, impulsivity, social adaptation, interpersonal relationships, and your affect. Um, So the affect and why it is called an affect disorder is because the affect is the underlying experience of feeling, emotion, and mood. And with borderline, you don't always know where that baseline is. You don't know, sometimes you don't know what you're feeling and how you should react to it. That's a big, big part of it. So other, you know, humongous parts of it and that we're going to see as we talk about Catra is misinterpretation of a reality or the motivation of someone else and idolizing somebody. And then if they do something wrong, they're automatically moved into a category where you're dead to me. I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to take you down. You're the worst person ever. Because in borderline, there's very black and white thinking. You're either with me or you're against me. A lot of this is triggered by an abusive environment. You can have borderline without having grown up in an abusive environment, but you are much more likely if you have the biological you know, predisposition for it, you are more likely uh, to be triggered to have borderline. Um, Usually it's early childhood up through 12, 13 years old. And then you would start experiencing like every symptom that you could, if you're going to experience symptoms like Catra does, she's what, 15, 16 years old. Um, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she's in like that prime target of, you know, I'm going to do this and no one's going to stop me. So a lot of her behaviors are are based in this illness. And your environment shapes your brain automatically. Absolutely it does. If you were to look at a person with borderline, even if you know the person very well, it's difficult to tell that this isn't, you know, their normal behavior. They put up a veneer of, you know, this is what the outside shows. 
and in private, it's completely different. They'll completely fall apart. It's called a high functioning disorder because your brain adapts to higher than it needs to be because you're under so much stress. Um, and the one thing that is that I want to like really push is that there's a cycle of behavior with people with borderline. And we tend to attach ourselves to a thing, to a person. Interpersonal relationships are the, the worst thing to have. They, they're so stressful and they can be very volatile in our minds, even when they're not. You know, Sarah and I have a great friendship. We've been friends for almost 20 years. Three days ago, she didn't text me back within an hour. And she's mad at me. She doesn't care about me. I'm just going to go and live in a hole and I'm going to die there and nobody's going to care about me anymore. And that's just the way it's going to be. And then she texted me back. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we're friends. We're cool. We're, like, that's it. You can definitely see that type of behavior reflected in, in oh, Catra. Definitely. definitely. You know, so that's the, the, the cycle that it goes. You have this secure connection. The It becomes insecure or it breaks chaos ensues you get lonely and desperate you go into this self-destructive phase whether it's drugs alcohol gambling gambling climbing high mountains taking risks that you don't need to uh self-mutilation and then you come back to that secure connection and that's your life is your you're you're constantly monitoring your relationships to where they are in this cycle. Are we good? We're good. Okay. Are we good? Okay. That must be really difficult to live with constantly being so unsure I'm where you all are. Time. <laughs> even even now with, with you know 20 years of therapy under my belt, it's very difficult. One of the horrible things about it that is something that I still struggle with is this almost constant passive suicidality. Suicidality in which I'm driving and you know what, that guy that's behind me, I hope he hits me and I get pushed into a ditch or walking through a parking lot. And I hope somebody hits me because, you know, then I won't have to deal with this anymore. So that for me is, is the hardest part of managing, you know, so as we go into this, these, these are all things that Katra goes through and, um, you know, growing up the way that she did really didn't help a lot. You know, there is a chance if she had grown up somewhere else, she would not be going through all of these difficulties. And that's a sad thing to think about. But on the other hand, she would not have the life experience. And I don't think that her and Adore's relationship, which in the beginning is very unhealthy and grows and matures, I don't think it would have gotten that way if, you know, she were a different Right. If the starting scenario was different, the ending scenario would be different. Right. So given that, what in her personality ties to borderline personality disorder? And can you give us some specific examples from the show? In Katra, we see that she has this overwhelming need for approval and she has a fear of asking for help. And that's something that growing up in a abusive household will give you yeah i'd say shadow weaver and the horde count as an abusive household just a little bit and being in the horde the horde does not allow for mistakes so this is like you know she can't ask for help and then especially when she outranks shadow weaver 
she as Hordax number two, she's supposed to know everything. Like she can't ask for help. She can't ask, oh, like if she asked where the bathroom was in a hallway she'd never been in, they would assume that as weakness. She jokingly says to Scorpia at one point, because Scorpia says something and Catcher's like, how do you know that? She's like, it was in force captain training. And she's like, I'm really starting to think I should have attended that. (laughs) (laughs) Like that would have been where all the help you needed came from, (laughs) Catra. Exactly. I would also like to point out that there is a character in the show who is also named Kyle, um, who we see as the example of what happens when you are perceived as weak. He is given all of the terrible chores. He is talked down to and made fun of by all the other cadets. But yeah, that's basically how people who are perceived as weak are treated. So yeah, Catra cannot be seen as weak. Right, and we see what he goes through and how hard he needs to prove that he's not weak. Um, I am a member of the Kyle Defense Squad. He should be (laughs) defended and protected at all costs. He is a sweet soul. He's too good for this world. And also, like, because she's been put so down so many times like she is shadow weaver's favorite punching bag oh absolutely she wants someone to validate her even if it's hey it looks like you tried to brush your hair today she wants someone to validate her just so she feels worthy of you know whatever she thinks she is worthy of well we see that with a lot of kids who grow up in an abusive household they're always trying to please their parental figures so they don't get punished, so they don't get bitten or, you know, put in timeouts or do a certain... I thought you said bitten, and I was like, their parents are biting them? That's what I heard. Maybe. No, and then I figured out you meant beaten, and I was like, okay, that, yeah, that makes, makes more, sense. more sense. But I was like, I mean, my cousin kind bit of- me. Was my, parent, or was my dad supposed to as well? No. <laughs> no. Okay, good, because he didn't. <laughs> I, I remember watching on TV uh, one, one of the shows in Argentina. There was this host of the show asked this little kid, you know, what soccer club are you from? And the kid said, I don't remember what he said, but he said B. And this guy's like, no, if you say A, I'll give you this ice cream. And the kid is like, no, B. But he's like, oh, you don't have to change it. Just say it and I'll give you the ice cream. And the kid kept saying B, B. He never said A. He's like, then I don't want the ice cream. A couple of years later, when you know, a couple, many years later, this, he was like seven or eight at this time. Many years later, he came out and said, my dad was behind camera. He used to hit me all the time. If I said A just to get an ice cream, I knew that when I got home, I was going to be, you know, hit and insulted and put in timeout and everything. That's why I couldn't say it. That's horrifying. So in a way, Katra does the same thing. We see a lot of flashbacks of her when Shadow Weaver is actually physically punishing her. Physically taking the air from the room and making her suffocate. Red lightning is the worst. I can't watch that. I see her need for approval, not also to validate herself, but a way to protect herself because she knows that if she does anything wrong or if she's weak or if she doesn't know it, there's a physical punishment attached to whatever situation. Yeah, it's it's if I'm perfect... She won't notice me, and that's just fine because not being noticed is better than being hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You kind of go to it's not really the opposite of it, you know, you want to be seen and heard, but you don't want people to leave you. She has this immense fear of abandonment, which is a 
very borderline thing to have. There's this thing called a favorite person. Mm -hmm. And for people with borderline, your favorite person is the person that you value the most in your entire life. And this is why I say that Catcher and Adora's relationship in the beginning, quite possibly in the end, maybe they worked on it in the future, is unhealthy because Catra idolizes Adora. She puts her on a pedestal. One of the things that we do, um, I say we as borderline, is we create two categories for people. Like I said, black and white thinking. You idolize people or you degradate people. She idolizes Adora and she picks on Kyle. My poor Kyle. And then when she leaves, when, when Adora leaves the horde, all Catra can see is Adora left me. And she says it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not when you left the horde. It's when you left me. So she internalizes all of this fear of Adora leaving. And then she leaves. And her world is torn apart. It goes into chaos. And she's alone and desperate. And she goes into this cycle of self-destruction, trying to get back at Adora, trying to get Adora back, trying to save Adora. You know, she does at some points, you know, you get the impression that she does not want to live anymore, you know, and then she comes back, to, you know, Adora comes back and everything is well and the, the relationship is is fixed again. You know, but she also, she also has it with Shadow Weaver, which is an abuse, like that's coming from someone with abuse that comes from abuse. You have that cycle of your, the outlet of someone's rage. So you want to seek validation and the approval so you don't get hit, but you still, like, you know, in your categories, Shadow Weaver is not someone that you think about like, oh, I'm going to get her back for this. It's, this is Shadow Weaver. Like, look at what she's teaching me. Look at everything that she's doing for me. And she's afraid that Shadow Weaver is going to leave her. And when she does leave her, she's devastated. And spoiler, when Shadow Weaver dies, she's devastated. <laughs> Even though this is the person that has tortured her her entire life, she still has a strong emotional connection to her. It's and, the closest uh, thing she had to a mother figure. Yeah. Well, most Absolutely. kids that have been abused, they still love their parents. There's some deeper connection that not all of them, some grew up to hate their parents because of what they did. But if they are young kids, most likely they're going to still love their parents, even if their parents put them through hell. I mean, we all start out unconditionally loving our parents. And I, I would, my guess is for people in abusive relationships, they manage to convince themselves, my parents love me. There must be a reason they're doing this. I don't know. My parents love me. They hit me because they want me to be better. Yeah, and I was in a bit of an abusive situation growing up, not physically, but verbally and emotionally. And you internalize a lot of, okay, they're treating this me this way because they love me, so something's got to be wrong with me. What is wrong with me? And you spend a lot of time trying to figure out what is wrong with you only to grow up and realize there was nothing wrong with me. And that can fuck up your head. It really can. It can. And it's, you know, I grew up in a situation like that. And I'm at a point where I don't, I don't love her anymore. She's 
a relation. I'm sad that she's sick. I'm sad for my dad that he's going to lose his mother. I don't give a shit. I am. I don't. I'm done. I'm over it. I don't have my grandmother died years ago, according to me. I could I could give a shit what happens to her now. Mm-hmm. You know, I I understand people who go through it and can find that love for their family again, but I couldn't. Yeah, that's a completely valid response. And that's okay. Every situation is different and every feeling is valid. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you any less good of a person for saying here is where I draw my line. That is what is so amazing about this show, that it shows you situations that can be real, that can happen in that way. There are kids that are abused and they can turn around their lives like Katra and end up, you know, not liking Shadow Weaver, but mourning for her. It, it shows you a diversity of personalities, of mental illnesses that can happen and it shows it to you how they are not masking them not make them look pretty and not everybody has a happy ending because life is like that right life is ugly and chaotic and doesn't always if rarely ties itself up in a nice neat little bow and it's refreshing to see that played out so realistically and not making it ultimately a joking point or a side character who isn't important. This is as important to her story as anything she does. These are the two main characters that are going through this and their relationship. What carries the whole show is Katra and Adora's relationship and is fucked up and you can learn from it mm-hmm. and it can still feel real. You can have a fucked up relationship. It can still work. Absolutely. And just to not to bring Adora into this too much, but I love that there is the juxtaposition of how Adora handles things and how Catra handles things. There's not just, it shows that there's not just one way to deal with the same situation because they all went, they both went through pretty much the exact same thing. And they both dealt with it badly. Yeah. Yeah. Dif- in different ways, but. In different ways, yeah. but yeah, there really wasn't. Yeah, there was not really a, a tidy little solution to what was going on at all. And they did not shy away from that. There was no quick fix. What it shows is that there's no one solution fits everybody. We're mm-hmm. all different. So maybe you're asking, sometimes you ask to apply the same solution to people that have very different personalities and they cannot do it. So in that sense, it's ve- anything they, any situation they touch in this show feels very real and it has a resolution that can also be applied to everyday life all right so catra is a bit of a cat yeah um. <laughs> no she didn't didn't i explain that part already I that she was a chinchilla catra cat catra she is extremely attention seeking like all cats and i, I feel like Whenever she's feeling well enough, Mm -hmm. sometimes even when she isn't, she's just like, over here, over here. I'm over here. Listen, listen, over here. Eyes on me. But it's also (laughs) in the other direction, too. She wants attention. And then just as quickly, she'll be like, no, No, get away from me. Get out of here, Scorpia. I don't want you. And that's also very cat behavior. Like a cat. She wants attention when she wants it. Not when everybody else gives it to her. Yeah, exactly. In some, 
Cat. Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Pet yeah. me, feed me, let me rest, take me on a walk, and tuck me into bed. Like I'm just. I can. Cats can take themselves for walks. They'd be insulted if you My tried to. Winnie. Yeah. I know, but that's because Winnie wants to. Try to yeah. tuck a cut into bed. I think you. That's a dog. <laughs> Teddy tucks himself yeah. into bed with me. My cat, when she was baby, little. Um, she wasn't allowed in my room because I have a lot of like collectibles and stuff. So she would like paw and meow at my door. But I can see Catra doing this to Adora, like through a door. She, I have a video of her sticking her paws under the door, like bean side up mm-hmm. and like curling her claws around the door and scratching. And I just see Catra doing that. Oh, yeah. Like, she would. Adora. <laughs> Hey, Adora. Adora, open the door. Open the door. I can't see you. I, I don't want to come in. No, I, I just just crack it. I can't, just crack it I a little bit. See you. Open the door just a little. Pretty much. That's what Cinnamon does. She will sit there and like scratch on the door, like. And as soon as you open the door, she's just like. I didn't even want to go in. Oh, oh! You open the door for me. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna stay right here. Thanks. So. She is also highly defiant. Wow, also like a cat. Some of it is, they say about abuse victims, they say you either become the carer or you become the abuser. Mm-hmm. And I think that Catra does both because... Now I'm um, just picturing her going to the horde bar like that beam. Give me a glass of milk. Okay, swats it off the bar. Another. <laughs> <laughs> She would do that. Adora's journey is to learn to control her impulse to I need to do everything that I can to save now. Katra's is so much deeper because it's not just I have a journey to do something, but I also have a journey to figure out who I am, if I can even answer that question, Mm -hmm. and how to cope with that while dealing with everything else that's going on around me. Yeah. I think in Catra's case, you know, if we're we're going with this, she has BPD and Adora is a narcissist. Um, she's not. I just sometimes <laughs> I think she is. Adora is about control and control is so much more exhausting than managing. Managing, you have realistic expectations and you know your limits. And sometimes you don't see when you're reaching them but you know how to pull yourself back if you get close or go over them. Control, there is one limit. There is one expectation. And if you fail, that's it. There's no second chance. As we do with all characters, we are going to sort Catra. And we have decided that Catra is a 50-50 Ravenclaw Slytherin split. Just like my best friend, Kyle. Duh. I mean, she's Draco in a very part of musical. Look very at me so. melting everywhere. She's Draco. <laughs> How can she not be a Slytherin? I said she was half Slytherin. I know. That's what I'm saying. She cannot be anything else because she's Draco. I mean, she literally does in this video that we watched. One of the examples, she's like, oh, just leave me here until I die of boredom. She's literally draped over a rail on the edge of the Fright Zone. You're right. She is a very Potter <laughs> musical Draco. See, I told, I told you I made a connection and that you were going to like, when I told you. Yes. And to quote you, I loved it. Okay. So all of the traits 
that Catra exhibits, I feel could pull from either house, Ravenclaw or Slytherin, despite the fact that some of the exact wording comes from one house or another in the Sorting Hat song. She is ambitious and cunning, and we see this in a variety of ways. She delegates her tasks as if to say to herself, why should I get my hands dirty when I have minions to do it for me? Like, work smarter, not harder. And in my case, tell other people to work harder. And I'm smart by not working. So that's very cunning. That's the example, one of the times that she sends Lonnie, Rogelio, and Kyle out on the mission to in this truck during the acid rain that their truck dies and they need to get back to catch her because she's just yelling at them. Why aren't you back yet? Why aren't you back yet? Because she's trying to cover for the fact that Hordak gave her this job and she gave this job to somebody else. So she can't exactly say to Hordak, hey, I gave this job to three incompetent people and they're not home yet. So just hold on a second. She lies to Hordak on many occasions straight to his face, which is impeccable about the effectiveness of missions, how they went, or if he says, what's the status of us going to march on Thamor? She'll be like, ah, yes, all of our troops are ready and this is in position and that, that, that. And then she'll end the call and she'll completely fall apart because she just lied out of her ass. I think at that point, she lost touch with reality. I don't think that she's lying just to hide anything. I think she... She invents that everything is okay in her mind so she doesn't collapse completely and just breaks down in a way that not even herself, she can save herself. In that instance, yes. There are other instances where she lies to Hordak, like when she tells him that Entrapta turned on him, Mm -hmm. which Entrapta absolutely did not. Yeah, that's also a part of Borderline is disassociating and misinterpreting reality. She has this reality in her head, but it's not the reality that everybody else is living. Right. To tell the truth to Hordak would not only admit her failure, but would probably end in an even earlier banishment to be silent or worse, expulsion from Hogwarts. No. She needs to get her priorities straight. (laughs) But you also see that she's ambitious and cunning while she's climbing the ranks Shadow Weaver is constantly telling her you're never going to become anything. You're never going to do make anything of yourself. You're a waste of space. I regret ever taking you in. And she outstrips Shadow Weaver, ends up being a key player in the imprisonment of Shadow Weaver and becomes Hordak's number two. Like regardless of Catra's issues, she's smart. Hordak wouldn't put just anyone in his number two position because Hordak, of all people, does not trust anyone, which is smart when you're a supervillain because you shouldn't because Mm -hmm. literally everyone is out to get you. Both the people who support you waiting to put a knife in your back and the people Mm -hmm. who are against you who are waiting to put a knife in your front. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. (laughs) That's correct. She's also creative, innovative, and out-of-the-box thinker. She's not, despite being in a military environment where everything is done in such a specific manner, following specific instructions, she notices things that other people might not. For example, she knows that Adora has a blind spot for her the size of Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Or the planet of Etheria. Yep. 
possibly bigger. bigger. So most people, while organizing an attack on Bright Moon, would just put Force Captain Catra at the head of a rank of troops to command them. Mm-hmm. Catra thinks Adora's so fucking obsessed with me in her mind that if she sees me, I'm bait. She'll only focus on me. And this is how she almost single-handedly brings down Bright Moon because Adora is so focused on Catra taunting her that she totally doesn't notice the fleet of tanks that is laying siege to Bright Moon Castle. Uh And Catra says that to her at the end. She's like, oh, did you think I was just here for fun? No, I was just here as a distraction. And then she moves out of the way and you see the look of horror on Adora's face as she realizes she's been played and all of this other destruction that could have been stopped by She-Ra has happened because she's been so sucked into going head-to-head with Katra. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant strategy for her to do that because the Ethereans are barely holding their ground and the Horde is taking more every day. They can't beat the Horde without She-Ra, so it's a completely brilliant strategy. Right, and Hordak also, wouldn't think of that. No, he wouldn't. Also, um, the fact that you said Adora, not Adora, but Katra pointing out to Adora, look, you are so busy fighting me, made me think of Uncle Iroh's proverb. Are you so busy fighting that you haven't seen your your own ship has set sail? Now is not the time for proverbs. It's no proverb. <laughs> Maybe it should be a proverb. And it happens again, again, using herself for bait, but this happens before the attack on Bright Moon. At Princess Prom, Catra decides, I'm going to go to Princess Prom as Scorpia's plus one because Scorpia, as a princess, has a right to be there and has a right to bring a guest. And Adora is so convinced that Catra is going to start some shit that she gets herself thrown out of the ball. And Catra goes, oh, did you think I was here for you? Only for it to be revealed that Scorpia... Lonnie, Rogelio, and Kyle have been busy sabotaging the palace in the Kingdom of Snows and kidnapping Glimmer. Again, blind spot the size of Etheria. Catra is smart enough to recognize this and exploit this weakness, knowing that Adora will fall for it every single time. Yes, and she, I mean, um, Adora should have learned from Princess Prom. Yeah, which for as good of a strategist as Adora is, she does not see her own blind spots very well. Until the where she's talking about in Roll With It, where she's talking at the end where she's like, no, this is what's going to happen. Catra's going to separate me from everyone and then kill, take all of you out. That's when she realizes how big of a blind spot Catra is for her. Mm-hmm. You know how I said Adora was like, Harry Potter and that she needed to learn to rely on her friends. Yeah. Adora sees Catra and it's like, I'm going to cast Expelliarmus and they won't know it's me. Yeah. Every time. That's yes. the real Potter. How'd you know? There were seven of us. Still like, oh, nice. that one went after Catra. That one must be the real Adora. <laughs> exactly. And one of the most innovative things that Catra does is when she comes into contact with, because they actually reach out to her, mm-hmm. Double Trouble, who will be discussed in more detail in a later episode, is a shapeshifter. Get the, I get the impression that they don't really care who wins or loses the war. It's all about, how was my acting? Was I convincing? So... Catcher decides, well, you can shapeshift, and with the shapeshifting, changes the voice to match the 
guise of the being they are appearing as and says, this is the perfect time to plant a spy. Yeah, infiltrate the enemy. Because who would say no to an adorable little girl being rescued by She-Ra that then wanted to help because she felt inspired because she would rescued? Who, for one second, would question that that person was a spy? You can put Katra anywhere. She will adapt and she will basically take over and make things better. She's a, a combination of a Cyberman without its emotion chip and the Borg given individuality. Adaptation with sass. Mm-hmm. And great hair. And if it isn't obvious by now, she's hella competitive. Oh. A- anything you can do, I can and will and must do better because my self-worth depends upon it. Yeah. And that's pretty much all that needs to be said about that because competitiveness, you notice it from moment one in episode one that she's like, why fight through this simulation when I can just watch, show up at the last minute, kick the robot into the hole and then point out to Adora that she's about to fall in a hole and laugh and still get credit for doing the whole thing because technically I was there the whole time. So still, I think that comes when we see the flash, the flashbacks that comes from very early childhood for all the times that Shadow Weaver compared her to Adora or told her that Adora was better while she was torturing Katra or making her feel very small. And I think she wanted to prove to herself as well as Shadow Weaver that she was better than everybody else. So from the very early age, she started to be competitive with herself to show that she could be better of the person that she was always compared to. And not just that, but I think that because Shadow Weaver literally said to her, the only reason you are still here is because Adora loves you, is that Catra knows that if she's not good enough, Shadow Weaver might actually get rid of her. Mm-hmm. It's as much self, self-protective instinct. Yeah, self-preservation. Yeah, as it is, anything you can do, I can do better. Mm-hmm. I would also say that's a, where a lot of Catra's power comes from, too. What do you mean? Because Adora loves her. Mm-hmm. That gives her power over Adora. Okay. What, are, are you talking about when they're still in the horde or after? Both. Okay, I don't exactly see where you're going with this. She may have a little bit of sway in Adora's mind. Adora might hesitate a little, but I don't think... She doesn't have the power to change Adora's mind. Fair. We've seen we've seen her try and fail. Fair. No, but she can get herself entangled with Adora so much because she knows Adora to feel protective of Katra, to feel pity for Katra in a way, and get entangled in her mind and her heart so much that kind of it doesn't change Adora's mind, but it pushes her to always be on Catra's side, defending, yeah, defending mm-hmm. her. Okay, I see where you're going with this. And as we said, or as I said, we said, Shadow Weaver said, you're only here because Adora loves you. Catra's mm-hmm. not a good leader, partially because she can't even figure herself out. And partially because I, uh, I am of the opinion that she only got the Force Captain badge because Adora left. Yes. We know that Adora was going to be offered the Force Captain badge. But I think, I mean, it's not like that would be the final Force Captain badge ever offered to 
any of their squad. They would need more force captains eventually, but I don't think, I was going to say Scorpia. I don't think Catra would have been the next person after Adora to be offered a badge because Shadow Weaver has so much of a personal conflict and professional conflict with Catra that the only reason she got the badge is because Adora left and she needed to appoint someone immediately. Oh, yeah. And the rest and the rest of the squad was not up to the task. We've listed a lot of good qualities for Katra that a good leader might have. Her, you know, innovation that you were talking, out of the box thinker, creative when it comes to the military and all these exercises. She could be a very good leader. She's not good at delegating, but do you think that if Shadow Weaver was not in charge of giving away the Force Captain badges, if it was somebody else that had no aversion to Katra, do you think she would have made it or made it? Based on the explanation Kyle gave about her BPD attributes, no, I don't think she would have because she lashes out unpredictably. She is contrary even when being contrary makes no sense. And the Horde would need to appoint someone that they would think would make the right decision at all times and wouldn't make unexpected moves. I think they would because she shows a strong side that everyone wants to see. She doesn't show her weaknesses. So from someone that is on the outside and just sees her performance, she could be a great leader. But we also see her as a leader and everyone hates her. But some... That's a terrible way to lead a squadron if they're not going to follow their commander if they hate them. I think that's a lot of Shadow Weaver's influence too, though. She became this horrible person because of her relationship with Shadow Weaver. Now, I don't know whether or not she would be a good leader. She has some good leadership qualities and whether or not they would be different if she wasn't under Shadow Weaver. I said, you know, if she didn't have Shadow Weaver in her life, she may not have developed BPD. So she might be a completely different person. Right. But I was answering the question only from the look of if someone other than Shadow Weaver was handing out the badge, if nothing else in Catra's life had changed and Shadow Weaver's influence was Mm -hmm. still there, but the decision of who got the badge was someone else's. What you said, Kyle, about if Shadow Weaver's influence wasn't there then yes my opinion changes yeah what i saw was if you go by all the exercises that she's she's done her abilities her out of the box thinking thinking um about attacks and everything some somebody else that is not shadow weaver will see her as a very strong candidate for a badge right i think the biggest thing in her own way is her Yes. It's a shame because she you're right. All of these qualities are great in leaders. She just needs to use them the right way. Exactly. The one other reason why I I personally don't think she's a good leader is because despite being good at what she does, she doesn't care about the end result. She her heart isn't in it. The best leaders believe what they're fighting for, believe that they're working towards some important goal. Her thoughts are either on her own spirals, on Adora, on Shadow Weaver. 
they're not on let's have the horde win the war to her being good and helping the horde is just a stepping stone towards the adora shadow weaver spiral problem not the other way around maybe she wants power only to prove everybody that she could make it not because she wants to act on it or be at the top she I just see that she just yeah, wants to prove yeah just to say you know here i did it now i don't care about it anymore like that time dr doom took over the world just to see if he could and then handed it back and they're like why'd you do that he said i just wanted to know if it was possible yeah yeah okay so obviously catra's possibly most important influence or one of is adora because everything catra does is driven either consciously or unconsciously by adora and because of all the things we've discussed it's obvious that this leads to her doing things that often contradict each other She's trying to prove she doesn't need Adora, but then she turns around and does something very reckless to try and get Adora back, even though she just said, I don't need her. And at the same time, I think, especially in later seasons, as she's gotten down towards the very bottom of her spiral and is talking with Glimmer and realizing, look, you know, maybe I'm completely worthless but at least I can do one good thing. I'm going to try and be better for Adora. I'm going to save Glimmer's life. And I'm going to tell Glimmer, make sure Adora doesn't come back for me. I'm not worthy of being saved. Some part of Catra wants to be better. It's just that she has trouble figuring out how. And then when she tries and fails, she feels guilty on top of all the anger and all the other feelings she feels, which... Single person can't have that many feelings at once. They'd explode. Exactly. I mean, we've already talked about the toxic relationship that Catra has with Adora. You could have said everyone, and that probably would yes, have been an accurate statement. Yes, would have been exactly the same. But um, I wanted to educate you on 80s Catra. And Drop some knowledge. Re- her yeah. relationship with Adora. So Catra was vain enough in the 80s to think that she could get Seahawk, to get Seahawk to fall for her. And that's why she hated Adora the most, because Adora has a relationship with Seahawk. <sighs> now, I was born in the se- in late 70s, raised in the 80s. And at that time, the mentality was, you know, women belong in the house. You rarely have a career. And if you do, you have to do something like teaching or nursing, something that it was administrative, kind of, yeah, accepted for a woman to do. And so it's not surprised that a show that was developed and thought about by men, that the main plot between two strong women has to be to fight for a man. That's the only... <laughs> it is. I have a question. Yes. How... Compared to present day Seahawk, mm-hmm. what was 80s Seahawk like? Because I think that would color what I was going to say about them fighting over him. Because I'm just picturing today's Seahawk and Catcher going, I want him. And he's like, yes, I will set all my boats on fire. And <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Yeah>. Adora? <laughs> 
Seahawk in the 80s was less flimsy. It was more like a bow, like an 80s bow. It was more, more, more so much was more macho. And reliable, dependable. Flamboyant, yes. not as flamboyant. Yeah, no, 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 not no. Not as I mean, reckless. It was, it was like a real pirate, kind of. This one's like pirate light. Yes. <laughs> so having two strong women, the only reason that they could come up with was, you know... We need to make them fight for a man. It's well, that's because they gave both of them no brain. Yes, and <laughs> skimpy outfits, and, and and they talk like this. So it's like, see, no, Catra talk. Well, I can't even. Adora will be like, see, cock is mine. No, brr, he's mine. So you know that's no, what they will do. Mine. It it was so so weird, but I just wanted to. I just pictured Shadow Weaver walking in the middle and then just turning around and going, nope. And walking right back out. <laughs> Sorry, floating right back out. Yeah. So I just wanted to give you that little bit of knowledge of the relationship in the 80s. Fighting over Seahawk. Yes. Read That's- the men who wrote 80 Shira. I'm reminded of this uh, TikTok audio that's basically this woman saying, if I've learned nothing else in this life, it's that if men have nothing else, they have the fucking audacity. <laughs> I mean. Truth. Thinking about them fighting over Seahawk, all I can say is... Adventure! What an adventure! <laughs> what an adventure! Two beautiful women who are interested in my company! Yeah. Yeah. And the 200, nay, two men that I have slain! <laughs> okay, the second uh, big influence on Katra is Malog, which is the alien cat that adopts Katra, not the other way around, I did say that correctly, in season five. And Sole found, as she does on the internet, all of these interesting facts that I felt like smacking myself on the forehead, I should have figured this out myself, that Malog is golem spelled backwards. Now, golem in Jewish folklore is an anthropomorphized being made out of clay with the word for God's name either etched in its forehead or written on a scroll and put into its mouth. And that would give it life and it would be given directions to protect people. And the golem did not have to have seen the people it was supposed to protect in order to recognize them. So it could be walking through a town, see enemies, see a a baker who owns a shop and instinctively know this is one of my people I must protect. Now, the first time we see Malog, Catcher's mm-hmm. like, why is this cat following me? Malog is instantly protective of Catra, almost as if, like the golem, It was made for her, was made to protect her. It recognized her. It was destiny or fate for it to find her. And I thought, especially after Kyle mentioned to me that Malog was the first time that anybody has looked after Catra to protect Catra other than Catra herself. Nobody else has ever done this. And... I thought, given 
the stories of the golem and how they protected the Jewish people from the Holy Roman emperors pogroms and the terrorizing and killing of the Jews in the ghettos. It might be possible that Malog is a creation of the first ones who somehow knew given that they knew that Shira would need to be around at some point, they have some sort of foresight that in the future, Catra would be pivotal to restoring Etheria into balance. So they created Malog and said, one day you will come across this person, protect her. She is of the utmost importance. One of the things that I love the most about Malog is how connected he is on an emotional level to Katra. They talk to each other or recognize each other and they uh, mimic each other's emotions. I mean, she gets angry, he gets angry. He is, in a way, something that grounds her emotions and protect her, maybe her mind or her heart, because she says, I'm trying to stay calm so he stays calm. So in a way, he's also protecting not only her as a person, but her emotions, her heart. Because like you said, it might be that the first one sent him, sent Melo to protect Katra, knowing how important she was going to be. I would also like to uh, point out to add more evidence to your theory, uh, Sarah, that I looked up 80s Milog. And it looks like a clay monster. It looks like it's just made out of clay. So it very well could have been intentionally created that way in both this series and the 80s version of She-Ra. I mean, the odds that they named an alien cat the word golem spelled backwards without meaning it is very small. Yeah. Very small. Yeah. Um, also, in the 80s, Catra only had like a pink lion named Claudine that she could ride and a white pegasus named Storm. Wait, so she's a cat who can turn into a cat who owned a cat that she could ride. Yeah, so she transformed into a panther that can ride a pink lion. Oh my god, this is like the goofy Pluto discourse all over again. <laughs> and of course, it had to be pink. It can't be any other color because, you know. Why does she need to ride a lion? She's a Cat woman, she can run faster as a puma than a lion. Panther, she's a panther, not a puma. Whatever, I mean, she can, she has four legs, yeah. she can run. Yeah. And why does her lion have to be pink? Personally, I think Catra would hate that her lion was pink. I know, I know. Oh yeah, she's, she's more like goth, so. All the names have to be like cat related so it's claudine it has to claudine Mm. has to be very cheesy if it's not cheesy it's not 80s that's true yeah that's very true but she can't fly so the pegasus is is good yeah that's actually useful that kind of puts her on even well on even sky with adora and swiftwind yes yeah so that they both can fight ground and air. And I think her Pegasus is white and it has a black mane and the, the wings are also rainbow color. Oh, I was hoping for something way more goth for Catra. I know, me too. Yeah, Especially with the name Storm. A gothicorn? Gothicorn. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I need that now. I want one. I need it. The way Kyle's eyes lit up when I said the words... <laughs> word gothicorn which i made up just this very second 
like they got wide as saucers and she grinned and it was I was like wow if I was a toy designer I knew what I'm making her for Christmas but <laughs> alas I am not earwax so. darn yeah so other than the gothicorn what else influences Catra I'm glad you asked because we also have obviously Shadow Weaver who probably influenced uh, Catra's goth the skeleton in the cloak yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does she have a gothic horn? Because that match fits real well. Oh, that's she should true. have. She should have. But she can float. That's that's true. She doesn't need anything to fly. Neither does Catra. Catra can run on her own, and yet she needs to ride a lion. <laughs> and you know what? Do you yeah, know what hurts? But the what most? if there's a river that she needs to cross? She's gonna need a gothic horn. Yeah, and and here's the thing that hurts the most. Humans cannot ride a ghost. Sorry, one of the things that I forgot to mention is that 80s Catra's headpiece has powers that she has not tapped into yet. So she can also, by the end of the series, she not only can shapeshift, but she can also teleport herself. Oh, so yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about how Shadow Weaver influences Catra, and she is the reason that Catra is the way she is, even despite her own love for Adora. And I mean, she does she does still feel for Shadow Weaver. Uh, when she finds Shadow Weaver has escaped, she's incredibly distraught. Escapade. Couldn't help myself. Spelled <laughs> remarkably like escape. <laughs> That's how you spell escape, too. P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. Yes. And she's also very distraught when Shadow Weaver sacrifices herself. She cries and weeps right along with Adora. And the thing that makes it even more heartbreaking is that Shadow Weaver finally gave her the barest sliver of validation right before she dies. I mean, what a better time to give you validation than right before you're about to be miserable forever. Yeah. Shadow Weaver was, and I think we've said this before, the only mother figure that both of them had and she raised them especially Katra with you know through intimidation abuse manipulation physical abuse and when Shadow Weaver is captured she actually admits this to Katra and says you know I'm not going to apologize for the way I treated you I mean she knows what she did and she still says I'm not going to apologize and even on top of all that, Katra still cries for her when she dies. Oh, yeah. And I think that speaks to the very complicated relationship and emotion that people can have regarding their abusers. I mean, again, I know that feeling myself. It is incredibly complicated. And I mean, Sarah and my other friends, they know exactly what I'm talking about because they know exactly what I've been through. So yeah, it's, it's a very complicated and intense relationship, even after it comes to an end and they're gone permanently. Because you're forever changed because of your experiences, just because they might not be part of your life anymore. You still carry that change in personality or those memories or things that alter you. Yes, that is exactly why it is intense. I mean, it's almost like a scar in a way, not a bad thing or a good thing, but it's there and almost constant reminder. And sometimes you do forget about it until you see something that reminds you. So 
yeah, it's a lot. And I think that they did a good job of portraying that between uh, Catra and Shadow Weaver as far as that kind of relationship goes. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you can take the girl out of the fright zone, but you can't take the fright zone out of the girl. Exactly. Another big influence, but not necessarily as big. I feel like Glimmer actually influences Catra in a lot of ways that they don't necessarily know themselves because they're kind of mirrors of each other. A Glimmer is very similar in personality to Catra, but Glimmer was raised in a healthier environment. I'm not saying completely healthy, like she has, she's had her traumas too, but her mom and everybody has done their best to mitigate those and raise her to be as good as possible. So yeah, they're kind of mirrors and I guess kind of a reflection of what Catra could have been if she were raised in a healthier environment. They are mutually antagonistic whenever they see each other with a lot of childish insults. And uh, when Glimmer is captured, she sees that Catra is clearly not in a good place. And and they do talk like it's been mentioned. And uh, they do conclude that conversation with Glimmer telling her that she can do at least one good thing. And that's what Glimmer tell uh, not Glimmer, but sorry, that's what Catra tells Glimmer when she is releasing her after she puts her in the teleport teleporter to teleport back onto Adora's ship. Glimmer asks her, why are you doing this? And Catra says, it's like you said, I'm trying to do that one good thing. So they do have influence on each other. And even in the future, it's shown that future Glimmer and future Catra, they still kind of have an antagonistic relationship, but it's far more playful because Glimmer is chasing her with a hairbrush and Catra's like, no, no, stop her (laughs) to Adora. It's yeah. super cute. I like it. I like it too. And then we get to Hordak. <laughs> you forgot his title. Our Lord and Savior, Hordak. Well, I oh, just yes. meant, I, I just meant Lord. Oh, gracious Hordak. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Hordak. She does a lot to try and impress him and everything that she, a, a lot of what she does uh, to get to be his second in command. He actually ends up recognizing and that's why he puts her as his second in command. When she messes up, he punishes her really harshly for covering up Shadow Weaver's mistake. Yeah, and that's why she does not want to reveal any mistakes that she makes to him because he is not a forgiving person. Mm -hmm. Their relationship is not a very trusting one, and it eventually gets to the point where she berates Hordak for his failed plan and is essentially co-leader of the Horde on Etheria. Um, Hordak himself is right not to trust Katra because her entire philosophy uh, seems to be get ahead by making sure she's not on the losing side. Mm-hmm. And again, she uh, lies about the details of Entrapta's whereabouts, saying she defected when she actually sent her to Beast Island. I'm going to so drop like, more knowledge on you. More knowledge. About the 80s. I'm all Woo! about the knowledge. Katra was one of his minions, so there was an acute relationship. Katra was always very calculated, smart, and uh, very wicked in the 80s. So one of the most curious things is that at one point, Katra teams up with Skeletor to destroy Hordak. That is just a glorious mental image because you have Katra scowling at everything and Skeletor laughing at everything with his full-shouldered, full-bodied, like, ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha kind of laugh. Like, Santa gone horribly wrong. Exactly. Wearing purple and yellow and that's just... I'm just very amused by this image. So for a couple episodes, they team up and try to destroy Hordak. They can't. Nothing goes to plan. She does not care for either one. So then she comes back to Hordak as if nothing happened. But she did (laughs) have an episode that she was trying to destroy him. I tried to kill you, but that was yesterday. And on this day, I am not trying to kill you. So everything's fine. (laughs) Yeah, we're good. We're good. 
no murder. The other relationship from the 80s is uh, that I want to point out because it's not in our doc is that she really, really dislikes Scorpia. They did not get along at all. They were both very, very smart, but do not did not get along unless they were fighting because they were both on the same side. But they really dislike each other. When Entrapta ends up joining the Horda, she becomes Catra's best friend. The closest thing that Catra has. Who's Scorpio? Entrapta or... and Catra. Entrapta and Catra. Okay. Yeah, become very, very close friends. Now I feel bad for Scorpia because she doesn't have any friends. And she got thrown into a melon cart by He-Man. Okay, so the next Horde member we're going to discuss in relation to Catra is Horde Prime. After he comes through the portal and, uh, you know, tries to find Hordak, because Hordak was never supposed to be as individual as he is, Catra realizes that she needs to get in good with him by informing Horde Prime of the heart of Etheria, the, the basically massive weapon that the planet becomes because in its center, in its core, it's been gathering magic for centuries, for like a millennia at this point. They are literally living on a bomb. Literally, literally. And it's even said if this goes off at all, the entire planet and pretty much the whole universe will be destroyed. And you thought the portals were bad. (laughs) Yeah. He sees through Catra's ruse pretty quickly and doesn't let her get away with hoarding information over him (laughs) for too long. Having four eyes would make it very easy to see through somebody's deceptions, I would think. So he eventually also abuses Catra by taking away any of her agency and free will through a chip that he implants on her and basically makes her just like one of his cloned brothers and all of the clones and Horde Prime refer to her as little sister, except for Horde Dak, when he vaguely starts to remember. He'll, he referred to her as Catra once and then like glitched back on again. I'm sorry, Borg anyone? Oh God, it's so, yeah, completely. And it's so unnerving. Like I'm a little personal here, but seriously, one of my biggest fears is having my agency taken away. So yeah, he does that. And he is also far superior at mind games than Catra is because Catra will use herself to go against other people and what she can do. Hordak takes it a step farther and uses all of the other princesses that he can get against the Princess Alliance because once Catra gets chipped, they send a bunch of troops and bots down to Etheria and chip a lot of the other princesses in Etherian. So he is far better at mind games than she is. And mm-hmm. again, also evidenced by the fact that he figured out her entire ruse and didn't yeah. let her continue to play it. Well, he's also a clone and he gets, I think we see at one point, plugged into a computer, like the big computer. So it can be assumed that he is just even general intelligence wise far superiorly smarter oh, yeah. than any regular being possibly could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What is that? What is it that they called um the hive mind sort of thing on Hala? He's kind of like that in Captain Marvel. I don't remember, but the board called it a collective. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of like the center of the collective. And do they ever say that that's how he lives for so long is by transferring his consciousness to another clone? Oh my God. Horde primes the Borg queen. 
I was thinking that that, that that was my entire thought is that that's how he stayed alive for so long. Yeah. Is he transfers his consciousness Probably. to another clone. He's just a head and a neck with a spine that gets transplanted yeah. from body. Oh, I regret having this thought. <laughs> I mean, I do. I don't, but I do. Okay. In the end, um, Adora finally defeats Horde Prime and he can't do whatever he does to stay alive or he doesn't remember what he was doing as far as, you know, like evil conquering business. And when Adora, when she tells Catra that Horde Prime is gone, it's over. Catra just says, good riddance. And that's like, I think that's the last line of hers in the show. So that's basically how she feels about Horde Prime. <laughs> we talked a lot about Catra today and, and most of the things were Catra's episode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I know, but most of the things that we that we talked about her were not very happy because she is a very she had a sad childhood. And she's troubled. Uh, she was abused, yes. But I just want to remark how strong she is to have gone through everything we discussed today and then be the peaceful, happy person she ends up being at the end of the show. And for all we know, that peaceful, happy person is still tumultuous on the inside. Yes. She's still having that battle on the daily, mm -hmm. but she's still fighting. Yes. And I agree. That takes strength and I'm proud of her. Me too. Me too. But that's why I wanted to say something before we move to the other section that even though we talked about all the messed up things that happened to her and how she is, she found some happiness. Like if I could say anything to Katra, it would be continue to make good choices. And by the time you're middle age, you probably won't have the markers for BPD and you'll yep. be fine. So just keep going. There is hope. <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel. It is worth the struggle. Keep going. She found the best support system. She allowed herself to find people that will be with her and help her get better. Yes, exactly. And I would also like to point out that Bo does include her in the best friend squad by the end of the, se the series. And she's still, even though she's being hugged, she's still like, get off me. I don't, don't hug me. Except for Adora. Yeah. She's like, don't hug me. I'm, no. Anyway. Fun with the best friend squad. Yeah. Okay. So our favorite question, which I cannot believe how many responses we got from listeners this time. Oh, yeah. And I Even love it. We inserted another episode, Avatar The Last Airbender, between when we had originally planned to do Catra and when this dropped, which allowed people an extra week to add suggestions. I think about 85 to 90% of these suggestions came in that first week. Yes. Which is amazing. Thank you. And from listeners, uh, I have put together the playlist. We got around between 25 and 30 suggestions from the listeners. So what are Catra's top three most played songs on her iPod? Soleil, go. Okay. I think she will like Lose Somebody by One Republic. It's a good choice. Solid choice. How to Save a Life by The Fray. Song oh. that I love. And I think she will have like a rock edgy side to her and she will listen to Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. Ooh. Oh yeah. Okay. I will see your rock and roll and go with Bad Reputation by Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. Yes. Uh New Divide by Lincoln Park. Mm -hmm. I think that really sums up 
her relationship with Adora very well. And I will go with Control by Halsey. Very good. Mira, your choices? My choices are My Tears Ricochet by Taylor Swift, Bad at Love by Halsey. And on the nose there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this one's going to be a little too on the nose, too. Look what you made me do again by Taylor (laughs) Swift. (laughs) She is basically Taylor's entire reputation era. (laughs) And Kyle, your picks. I'm going to give my top four because I feel like I did a good job in narrowing down the 27 that I had. You did. You very much did because she was coming up with a list. I said, start thinking. And after five minutes, not even five minutes, I get a text message with a picture of a handwritten list with at least 12 things on it. And she goes, I'm not even trying. Anyway, so I have uh, Weezer's newest hero, uh, Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. Note to self, do not breathe in the chemicals. Um, complicated. Things so complicated and uh, seven nation army by the white stripes. Now we go through the amazing list of amazing listeners that gave us song suggestions from we ain't vibing. We got gasoline by Halsey, which I personally have on another playlist for a different Shira character that we'll get to, but I like it here too. Kitty Noir 482 gave us Savage by Bahari. Bruh Girl Bitch gave <laughs> gave us Little Miss Perfect by Taylor Lauderman and Right Out Loud. Yes. This is, you know that song? Yeah, I think so. It actually gets suggested again by somebody else later <laughs> on the Little list. Little Miss Perfect. This is Home by Cave Town and Slumber Party by Ashniko. Lovely Lady Quips said that Catcher would secretly listen to boy bands like the Backstreet Boys. And I like this headcanon. I want it that way. <laughs> no, one of one of mine was Shape of My Heart. Ooh. Yes. What about NSYNC tearing up my heart? It's tearing I'm sorry. Up my heart What's in sync? You. you and I. That's that we're in sync. <laughs> She's mad because that was that was like slick. <laughs> Angie42069 gave me Burning Pile by Mother Mother. Third Wheel Awkward gave me two different playlists. Catra's quote normal sad rock playlist, which includes (laughs) I Will Not Bow by Breaking Benjamin, Scars Mm -hmm. by Papa Roach, which is an excellent song. Yes. And Alone by I Prevail. And and Catra's quote, hidden pop playlist, <laughs> Kiss It Better by Rihanna, Night Changes by One Direction, which is a really cute song. Honestly. I like it. And You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. For the record, I just looked up the uh, Backstreet Boys songs that I added, and I added As Long As You Love Me and I Want It That Way. <laughs> also, Katra at Everyone, Tell Me Why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. why? Tell me why. Nothing but a mistake. Tell me why. But I never want to hear you say that I want it that way. Dot get jiggy with it gave me My Boy by Billy. I think Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish, yeah. Motion Sickness by Phoebe and Killer by Phoebe. I've never heard of Phoebe other than 
Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. Yes. Uh, that's the Phoebe that I think of. I'm pretty Phoebe sure it's Bridgers. Melly Cat. Melly Cat. Oh my God, it's Catherine. Yes. <laughs> Why are uh, they, they feeding, feeding you? you? They're feeding her the gray ones. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Catcher. We just made you smell again. <laughs> <laughs> Glory be to Horde yeah. Prime. Now, I have to, I realized I skipped a line, but that's okay. But I have to make a comment because one of the TikToks I put up, Glory be to Horde Prime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you and thank you, whoever you are, because your username when you get a comment or a like on TikTok, the notification will tell you the name of the person, not necessarily the username. So I put up a TikTok that was a photo and it's your fault. And I thank you that said Horde Prime commented on your video. Yeah. <laughs> and I woke up to this at 7 a.m. And my first thought was, uh, okay. <laughs> So that TikTok that's just the photo with the red arrow pointing up that says, um, question mark. Thank you, Glory B to Horde Prime for starting my day off with a laugh. I really appreciated it. It was great. And it's happened again since. Every time. It makes me very happy. So I got from Glory B to Horde Prime, Pearl by Mitski. Small dot 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 Hannah gave me Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. How to be a heartbreaker by i think it's marina and the diamonds yeah she's just marina now though oh okay i don't know she she just changed her name just to marina i was gonna say she's now just a place where boats park (laughs) i mean it's very appropriate (laughs) (laughs) and the first of two recommendations of hayloft by mother mother now clearly i need to look up mother mother because this is like the fifth or sixth recommendation yeah. For different mother mother songs that know. we've gotten for different Shira characters. So yeah, I'm going to be listening to them. Right. Sickenite three gave me potential breakup song and bad idea, both by Girl in Red and Breaking the Habit by Lincoln Park. Adrian the Fragrance gave us our second wreck for Hayloft by Mother Mother, our second wreck for Little Miss Perfect by Taylor Lauterman and Write Out Loud, and My Ordinary Life by The Living Tombstone. All of these songs will be added to the playlist, and when we drop it like it has a high temperature, we will give you the link to the Spotify playlist to enjoy. And thank you. And thank you. Thank you. What can Can I I say except you're welcome? You didn't do many of these suggestions. I know. That's (laughs) why I didn't say you're welcome. We were thanking the listeners, not you. You're obligated to give your suggestions. (laughs) Thank you, Mira. Okay. Next question. What would Catra's favorite snack be? Now, if I had said wizarding snack, the answer would be ice mice. Oh, completely. Goldfish. The snack that smiles back. <laughs> I'm going to get you little yeah. fishy. I'm going to get you little fishy. Get you little I'm going to get you little fishy. Get you little fishy. <laughs> Shout out to all the Red Dwarf fans. I know you're out there somewhere. <laughs> and after seeing that, the only thing I could think of was Swedish fish. <laughs> I think she will like animal crackers. Cannibalism. She's a cat eating animal crackers. Well, cats eat animals naturally. They eat like mice and stuff. Yeah, as long as it's not shaped, if it's not shaped like a they're cat. They're not cats. They're lions, giraffes. They're no cats. Type of cat. But it's only cannibalism if it's the same species. But I also think that she will like something that 
she cannot share with anyone or that nobody else likes so that so she can be like the only one something yeah. like those candies that are called hot tamales or whatever that they're yeah. disgusting mm-hmm. oh they're so good okay. you know she'd be the one to take what do you call them jawbreakers yes and oh, literally yeah. bite it in half in front of somebody to just be like intimidate them yeah and they'd be yeah. like oh fuck she just like did that with her teeth without trying oh i'm not fucking with her exactly mm. Now, I went fairly normal with my answer, but because she's part cat, I think she'd like ice cream cones because, I mean, my cat likes to lick the milk from the bottom of my cereal bowl. Mm-hmm. So I can picture her perfectly contentedly licking vanilla ice cream. That yeah. makes sense. On a, an ice cream cone. Yes. That makes sense. And they do make pet-friendly ice cream, so. Do you think... Catra used to do stupid impressions of Hordak and Shadow Weaver to Adora when they were young. Yes or yes? Yes. Absolutely not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one insult or insulting name Catra has said or wanted to say or call Hordak over the years. My answer was, you're not half the man Shadow Weaver is. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Now I'm just thinking of Halsey. You're not half the man you think that you are. Well, I meant it because, first of all, he's a clone, not a man. And second of all, Shadow Weaver isn't either of those things. I I know. I know. And then I thought Scorpio would say your mom and then be like, oh, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I (laughs) did not mean that, sir. I am very sorry. Please forgive me. I'm just going to go now. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I am very horrible at coming up with insulting names. So I just said Horty, but the more I think about it, the more I feel like she'd call him my Lord Horde dumbass. She could have just called him a whore. I had that initially, but then I was like, I don't know if I want to put that. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I, I literally initially had Horde back. Because I thought I thought of like Bill Engvall where I was like, oh, hi, Lucy. <laughs> I think she will call him something like, you know, what's up with this hokey pokey? Something. That, <laughs> yeah, something that really diminished him. Scary at all. Do the horty porky. Yeah. Horty porky. <laughs> horty pokey. You do the horty pokey and you turn yourself. No, that sounds really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I don't want that. We're talking about the whores. Put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. No, but you can't get the portal already been open. It's out there. Put it back in your pants. (laughs) Sarah, what what do you think we're talking about? You do the hoardy pokey, pokey and you turn, and you turn yourself, yourself around. That's what it's all about. But it's all about. Your, like, <laughs> instead, oh, instead, instead of you put your left foot in, you put your right, <laughs> your left foot out. It was like you put your dick in. Your dick <laughs> Are you thinking of Hordak fucking a no, horse? No, fucking anything. He was doing the hokey yeah, pokey you poking do. his dick. You put your right ball in, you put your right ball out. So, like, he'd be standing in, facing into the circle, you put your dick in, you turn, you turn around, you put your dick out, and I was like, put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. 
as long as it doesn't spin in circles like it's not supposed to do, do what you want. <laughs> just don't. Helicopters not allowed. Just don't make me watch. <laughs> I don't want to watch. Scorpio will be like, okay, that's happening. <laughs> she'd she'd seriously be like, well, I guess this is happening. She'd be like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that's more Scorpio mm. or Dina from Superstore, but she'd be like, for some reason, I feel the need to be here, not because <laughs> I find it attractive, but because as an important soldier, this is obviously important, so she needs to pay attention. Exactly. To Hordak doing the hokey pokey <laughs> with his dick. <laughs> You're welcome. What can I, I say except you're welcome? I I don't even know if you're I want to say you're welcome you're because welcome. he's not even fully human. How do you know that he has that one? That is an excellent point. He's so mission oriented. Most of him is mechanical. He could build himself one with like with like turbocharge action and shit. Oh god. And if it runs out of power, you discard it and haven't trapped to build you a new one. And entrapped, he goes, oh, I can make it better. And <laughs> who would want to have sex with no, that? Entrapta. I asked Emily. You. Oh, no, God. Well, Emily's so innocent. Why? Emily is a child. What are you talking about? That's why I said Entrapta. Entrapta would walk in in the middle of the the, the, the horny, the horny pokey, and she'd be like, I can make that better. I'll be right back. And 20 minutes later, come back with a better mechanical dick and be like, here, try this one. That also <laughs> shoots lasers. <laughs> no. <laughs> that made it so much worse. You're welcome for this conversation. No, because now I'm just picturing him. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Kyle just took off her headphones. She hates us all so much. I'm just picturing this is something that like a young Gilderoy Lockhart would do. Using his dick to laser his signature into the wall. You would though. I am so sorry for starting this conversation. Well, I actually started with hokey pokey. Yeah. And and Mira just said horny pokey and and it just you're welcome. Yeah, let's move on. Okay, I didn't even get to say what what the okay. name or okay. insult insult, would be. insult him. Go. I don't. Have <laughs> That's a fucking letdown. I did. I was thinking, and I was. I've been thinking all week, and then the horny pokey came up, and I'm gonna forget this as soon as we stop. Because I was gonna say she just calls him like other H names, like Horace <laughs> and like Harold. Listen, yeah. I have had someone that I emailed, emailed, mind you, back and forth, misspell my name a different way every time. Her saying that would annoy him to no. Listen in here, Hector. <laughs> I don't want to like hi, hi, Listen here, Howard. Howard, Howard. You need to open the portal. <laughs> right. I'm going to totally forget this conversation happened, and then I'm going to listen to this after it's edited, and I'm just going to start crying all over again. You're welcome. Again. And you're welcome. From sadness. I'm, I'm going to stop listening after our snack ideas. For our final question, what would Catra dress up as? To go to a Halloween party. I initially said Jessica Rabbit, but then I changed my mind. She would dress up as a noir detective. That's kind of similar to a princess prom outfit. But the, That's what I was thinking. Like the pinstriped suit and the fedora she could. Yeah, like she she 
elements of a similar like suit style to her princess prom outfit, but more kind of like the um noir yeah tilty fedora pinstripe. What do you want, sweetheart? Yeah, Uh, Dixon Hill. Yeah, for you Trek fans, I think she will make her own version of Shira outfit. And and it will be a cat ra outfit. You took my idea. <laughs> you did write it. I said she'd dress up like Electra, the assassin from Marvel Ooh. who goes up against Daredevil, because I think those very pointy pointy tridents that Electra carries. I think that she would like the the bitchin outfit that Electra has that deep red. It's it goes with Catra and the fact that she had two very pointy weapons to to use at any given moment mm. would just add to her enjoyment. And so that we do not get angry comments, Electra's weapons are twin psi. I think she would go as a like a sheet, like the ghost that you make <laughs> out of a sheet, because Adora probably dragged her to this party. Oh, definitely. Most and she didn't plan it. So she just took a sheet, threw it over her head, and she was like, I'm Shadow Weaver. Or she'd show up in a regular regulation horde outfit and be like, and like knock shit over all night and be like, look, I'm Kyle. (laughs) Because she's not you, Kyle, like Kyle from her troop, because she picks on him all the time. And that is true. Yeah, but I'm Kyle and I knock stuff no, over. No, no, I meant okay. Or look, I'm Lonnie, and she would just act like super hoity-toity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Rohilio and just make grunting noises all night, but which would be highly offensive. But I wouldn't put it past Catra. Yeah. Okay, so in addition to posting the link to our playlist, we will also, as we have in the past post the link to showrunner, executive producer, Noel Stevenson's Catra playlist. Remember to follow us on social media. We can be found on TikTok where we drop something new and hopefully that you find funny mm-hmm. every day at Realm Stories Pod, on Instagram at Realm of Endless Stories Podcast, and on Facebook at the Realm of Endless Stories Podcast. Our email is listed on both our TikTok and Facebook pages. So feel free to shoot us uh, a hello, a comment, an opinion, a question. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? At therealmofendlessstories at gmail.com. If you're enjoying taking this journey with us, give us a follow on whatever platform you listen to us on and consider leaving a review. Thank you very much. And we love you. And in honor of Katra, we give you this song it's the eye of the tiger it's the thrill of the fight rising up to the challenge of our rivals and the last lone survivor stalks his prey in the night and he's watching us all with the eye of the tiger we love you good night I still like Dean Winchester's version much better than ours. That yes, one. Yes, very much so. Bye. 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 Bye.